This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show, Marvelyn Brown. Hi. <laughs> Hello. So, um, Tanya's here as well. Um, your journey... I was happy to talk with you, Hydea Broadbent. Um, when I was a journalist at the New York Daily News, I was tapped to write her book, and she was eight years old at the time. And I flew out to Vegas and spent uh, a week with she and her mom. And I knew in that moment, spending time with her, she might have been older than eight. Um, she might have been ten or twelve, but she's small, you know. Um, <laughs> that the journey that she is on and she's still on it. She's so powerful. Um, and we've kept in touch over the years is something that was, uh, a death sentence when, you know, in the eighties and nineties was a death sentence. So to hear, you know, you have HIV in that moment, were you thinking it gave you this many years or months of time to live? What were you thinking when you heard that diagnosis? Well, I was diagnosed in 2003. Um, my only education in that moment of being told I was HIV positive was in Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. So yeah, I definitely thought, you know, if I wasn't going to die right that second, it was on the brink of coming. Um, just my initial um, education on it. But I didn't leave the hospital without getting what I needed to know so that I was able to somewhat live with the virus. So what, what led you to the hospital? Because you said had you not been there unconscious, you would never have gotten tested because why would you, right? You, you weren't living that kind of lifestyle. What, what precipitated you passing out? What was the, the thing that happened that, that landed you in the hospital? I actually landed in the hospital due to having pneumonia. And it put me in ICU where there was a series of tests done, including one of HIV. Wow. So you just thought, I'm, you know, I got pneumonia. Okay, I'll recover from that. You said you would not leave the hospital until you got everything you needed. Where, where, did, that, where did that fight come from? And then what did you leave there knowing about this, this virus? Well, luckily for me, you know, being diagnosed in the hospital, there were staff on hand to come in and immediately educate me. One who was an infectious disease specialist who became my primary care doctor. And um, she was already giving me information and I had questions, but I thank God for her because she also told me about people who were like me. And when I say who were like me, who were who was just heterosexual women who had contracted the virus, who were living everyday lives, not an IV drug user, prostitute, gave me, like she literally was telling me stories and giving me hope, even though I had very little, because as I found out I was HIV positive, not knowing the stigma and discrimination that surrounded the virus, I told my peers and it was like, everyone found out I was HIV positive on the day I found out. Wow. Um, 
Eight six. I want to give out the number eight six six eight zero one eight two five five because Marvelin Brown. What I do know is that Black women were the largest at some point, the largest group being impacted by HIV, uh, mm-hmm. and it was primarily because and and you 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 are not an unusual demographic, is what I'm saying. And, <laughs> no, exactly. No, I I was not. And that says I, a lot. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Tanya. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just um. You know, I do know a lot of people with HIV because I am in the theater and that's a, a big part of our population. We lost to HIV. And I, I know that it is something that requires medication for your whole life. And with us not having great health care in America, I wonder how do you manage the health care for all the medicines you have to take? How is that even paid for? Like, do you have to have special insurance or does Obamacare cover that? Mm-hmm. Well, when I was newly diagnosed with HIV, I was on my mother's health care, um, her health insurance, because I was a college student. You know, afterwards, um, I went on my own health plan in the state of Tennessee, and it was just <laughs> ridiculous. I think that's one of the reasons why I've been in New York City for so long, as Tennessee is a Republican state and New York is a Democratic state that there are resources in New York City that are not available to people in the South and was not available to me in the South. So I still have private health insurance. Um, And, um, you know, I take seven pills every day of my life. And luckily, I don't even have a copay. Wow. Come on mm-hmm. through great health care in democratic states. <laughs> uh, Marvelyn Brown is here. She's the author of The Naked Truth. Um, I was talking with Deborah Fraser House, who was at the forefront of uh, caring for people with HIV, you know, being in hospitals with people whose family had disowned them, uh, being there, holding people's hands when they took their last breath. That was what she was doing. And we were talking recently because I had a conference that she was going to be at, but she, she fell mm-hmm. ill. Um, that HIV, the virus, very similar to COVID, the virus, which I was like, that's interesting. Have you heard, have you heard that before that, that, that the, the way in which, um, the viruses behave, but also the way we're we're treating people, uh, is very similar. Oh yeah. I mean, I've definitely heard it and I definitely have experienced it as, um, I contracted, um, COVID early on in 2020. And it was like deja vu over again from the way, you know, I was treated. In a sense, COVID was almost worse, but I was diagnosed in 2003 with HIV. So I would imagine like the 80s, this is what they were going through and this is what they were experiencing. And it comes from a place of fear and people being uneducated. Because, you know, now people just doing whatever. Oh, it's this, is this, is this, and that. But however, like HIV, COVID is still there and it's still killing people. That's, you know, and, and Marvelyn Brown, how how much is us seeing Ma- Magic Johnson thrive and live through this virus, uh, taking away the stigma of it, but also made people forget uh, that, you know, it is a virus that can kill you. How how damaging or how inspiring has the, you know, journey of Magic Johnson, who's such, such a public figure, such a beloved figure, um, living with HIV, how, how has that changed or shifted how people see it? 
you know, it depends on that person's perspective, right? Some people will see it inspirational. Some people will see it damaging or, or however, some people want to say, oh, he has money. Oh, he has a cure and all these other things. But his HIV is no different than anyone else's. You know, he still has to take medications and do all these things. I've, I've admired how he's been able to deal with it so publicly because it's like being on the front lines of a battle and you got people way in the back, but you keep getting hit hit over and over and over again. So I've always admired how he did it in, in you know, in that sense. But um, I, I found a lot of inspiration from other women of color going through different diseases and everything, just the way they carry on with life. I look at mothers, I'm not a mother, but you know, I look at these different things and find my inspiration, but it's unfortunate because magic is such a public figure that some of these people, that's their only education. Mm. That's their only, you know, um, person they would have to look to. And looking at a person is not, any education at all because there's so much behind the scenes like do, does he go to his doctor visits does he take his medication what about what about what is he eating what is he drinking you know is he extra it's so much more that comes behind you know the face that I really just encourage people to just dig a little deeper and do a lot more research because I can tell you even in this day and age people are still uneducated and people there's still stigma and discrimination. We're talking with Marvelyn Brown. Um, it's been almost 20 years since you were diagnosed yeah. with HIV, almost 20 years. Why did you decide to tell everybody? <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I made the decision to tell anyone anything. It just so happened with me being in the hospital and sharing my HIV status to family and friends and that it spread like wildfire that I had no choice but to control the narrative. (laughs) Now, if you ask me what I do it now, knowing what everything I've been through, I don't know if I say I would tell a soul, but. (laughs) So so was it a blabbermouth cousin, a sister? Like, you know, the people closest to us are the ones that cut the deepest. I promise you. You know what? I'm going to tell you this. Thank God social media was not out when I came out with my story and I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Now the fellow that gave you HIV, what was that conversation like? Well, I had called him while I was still in the hospital because I I knew I had got it from him, but it's just kind of one of those things. It was not making sense, but no other story made sense either. But I called him and I let him know that I was positive. And uh, he immediately said he was sorry. And at the time, I had always said, I don't know if he said he was sorry. He knew he had HIV and he gave it to me or he was sorry that now he, someone else knew or, you know, that um, he gave it to someone. Did you ever clear that up? Did you ever find out like which that sorry was? Did he know? I, 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 yeah, I, I found out in August 2020. Um, and, I, and, I, and I say that because for so many years, I referred to this man as Prince Charming um, because he was a fairy tale guy for me. I was 19, he was 21, had his own place on car, looked good, smelled good, like all these things. 
So, I mean, I thought this was the guy I wanted to be with, you know? And when I told him that I was positive and he was sorry, he made it seem like, um, I'm trying to get this right because he made it seem as if when I told him I was positive that he was finding out that he was HIV positive with me. And the stigma that I was already beginning to face, not even a week being positive, I understood his not wanting to tell people or not wanting to be around. In a way, I almost feel like I had to protect him, you know? But I tried to tell people, you know, who this man was and what uh, he had done with all of, without saying his name, but you know, they love to believe the man first anyway, <laughs> and no one believed me in that sense. So I struggled very early on in my diagnosis and I did it alone, knowing that this person was out there and he was positive, but I did not think that he could handle it like I could. In fact, I knew he could. I couldn't get him to go to the doctor. I couldn't get him to take medication. I couldn't do any of these things. So y'all stayed together through this? No, we did not. However, I thought we would. I, th- I, I, I thought we were going to stay together. <laughs> like, I, I thought I was still going to have my positive fairy tale. Like, yeah, it's still Disney. We just both HIV positive. But he didn't want to have anything to do with me because people knew about my HIV status. So he left. So what happened in August 2020? um, So it was the end of August and it was his sentencing date because he was due in court for infecting another woman with the virus. And it was only one woman who was able to come forward and she was still anonymous, but it was so many other women, at least 25. What? who did not want to say anything, who was still scared to be anonymous. And I came in being out of the statute of limitation and I was able to be, um, you know, uh, tell my testimony in the courtroom. But while I was there, I found out that there were people before me. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. There were people before me. And that's what shocked me the most because this whole time I'm thinking we found out together and you play me just like you played them. And here it is almost 15, 16, 18 years later. And these women got the same story I got. I told him I was positive and he acted like it was his first time ever hearing the word. It was women who had heard about me and asked him about me and he still denied it. And when I was in that courtroom, I had forgave him so many years ago. When I was in that courtroom and I looked at his face, the way he was so dismissive towards me, he didn't even acknowledge me or anything. I knew in that moment, not only did he knew, he did it on purpose. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. (sighs) So he was convicted? He was. He's still in there. Okay. He was, he was, he, they gave him, they gave him the max because, like I said, it was so, and again, you know, we talked about a little bit off air the difference between Tennessee and New York City. Tennessee, 
is so open, right? People come to New York City to be who they want to be. In the state of Tennessee, everyone may know you or know of you or know of your family members. It's very hard to be HIV positive in Tennessee. Not so much in New York City, where there's 9 million people on top of each other. But when you got people spread out, it's not easy. People are fearful of losing jobs. People are fearful of someone um, um, harming family members, all these things and being judged that it was only one woman that came forward and she was still anonymous. Mm. And I'm going to keep it real because it's us on here. She was white and that's why them charges was brought against him. Oh. I tried because I tried. Mm. I tried. Marvelin, uh. Marvelin Brown, Jesus. <laughs> um, whew, this this book, um, first of all, it is raw and real, and beyond HIV, you know, this story. There are people walking around with viruses that may not force them to take pills every day because of relationships yeah. like this one. Um, what's the relationship with your parents? You write about your daddy being a daddy's girl and, and mm -hmm. how accepting was your family? Uh, because again, there's a stigma. What relationships did you lose as a result of this? This was not your fault, but what relationships did you lose? What relationships were revealed as a result? Talk about that. I want to say like, it's definitely two sides to every story being so young and things changing for me, I would say none of my family turned their back on me. However, there was ignorance there and there was an education there, which caused me to feel a different type of way in different situations, as you would feel alone, as you would feel no one understands you or no one gets you or no one's trying to comprehend. Like it's still to this day. Yeah. I'm marveling. And uh, you know, I do this and I do that, but I'm still HIV positive. Like I can't do all of that. Like, you know, you see me here, but you didn't see me this morning. I had a little bad reaction to my medication. You didn't see me trying to fight my uh, being nauseous. Or if I say I'm tired, I'm tired. Like, mm. I feel positive. I know I look good. I look just like you, but I'm still fighting a virus. And no, it's not, you know, a death sentence. I would say that in a way, because if I stopped taking my medication right now, it surely would kill me. Mm. You know, I have to do so much, so much comes into, you know, just my HIV life. And then I got the other one, you know, the personal one. So that's something as well. So what is it like, has it been like to have relationships, you know, are there lo loving relationships and can you have children? What does the status I mean, you do for that? You can, you, can, you can definitely have children and live life. I know a lot of, you know, um, HIV positive women who have done it uh, successfully, you know, naturally and all these things without infecting their partner. But, you know, I say that with there's education and doctors and a lot more stuff behind there, but these things are possible. Now for me, it's a little different because I am public and I have a very unique name and I'm a Google search away from your whole family knowing everything. Uh, and that has played a part in dating for me in some ways. Like it may be an HIV positive guy and he positive, but nobody knows he's positive. So he mm. don't want to date me. And um, 
you know uh it, it, I, I, i've tried everything like like what do you what do you, what do you mean that's me not you but it still raises questions about him and so you know that's mm-hmm. been a problem or then when you get someone who's who's negative who you know who, who does not i i would say uh it hasn't stopped it. It's just, it's definitely been challenging. I'm single, but I'm not single because I'm HIV positive. I'm single because I don't settle and nobody has met my standards yet. And so then I will play. What, what does dating look like? Um, are you on apps? Like, and, and when in the, in the process of the date dating relationship, do you let people know? I, I'm on, I'm definitely on dating apps. <laughs> I'm more sure for, for certainly I've been on them. Um, and, you know, I meet people out or whatever. And I just, I don't know. I kind of I just go with the flow. When I was younger, it, it seemed like, I don't know if guys were just more, because I'm 37 now, been positive since I was 19. In my 20s, the guys was a little bit more receptive. I don't know. Now that they got older, I don't know if they thinking about stuff, doing some stuff a little different or, or, or what. But it's like, if a guy takes me on a date, and he finds out I'm positive after this date. I have wasted his time, his money. His, and I'm like, when was I supposed to tell you? Because I didn't have mm. to tell you anything. We're, mm. not, we're not sexually active. You know, and sometimes, you know, I can be just a little petty. You know, I may start talking because I'm, I'm definitely in the dating world. It doesn't mean I sleep around or anything like that. It just means I like dates and dinners. That's it. Um, so, you know, so I can give you situations. I can write a book on dating, but, um, you know, um, we could be, you know, out or on the phone and it's this thing that people think because I'm HIV positive, that means something like you did me a favor from talking to me and that's not how that works you know you know this is you know again stigma uh we were talking about race and stuff before you came on marvel and brown and how propaganda and how we've been so indoctrinated into believing this about a group of people and believing that about a group of people hiv diabetes high blood pressure cancer like all of these things are things that people suffer through Yet this virus and COVID, now COVID, right? People have had COVID, what, twice, three times? And right. that they're not carrying around the same. It's the same kind of virus, but it doesn't have the same stigma. And so, you know, it, it, to me, it's unfair that you, you know, you have to fight through a stigma when you are sick. You have to take, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's bizarre how we put things in categories that it really shouldn't be in. Luckily, I ain't going to say I learned how to, well, I'm going to say this. I have learned how to deal with the stigma and discrimination, but rejection from something that is not in my control um, has has been a a, a battle. You know, some some days you can be good with it, but after like five rejections in a row, it, it messes with your psyche. It does. So, so how do you deal? What do we're here on wellness Wednesday, you know? What, what's your process, Marvin? Oh, man, there's lots of different processes. Like, I do whatever it takes to make me happy. It can be my favorite meal. I work on my mental health. Like, I have a team of people from therapist to case manager, peer educator. I get it all, whatever I need, how I need it, in, in whatever way. It'd be take a trip. 
It'd be whatever. Call an ex. It'd be whatever I need to do to handle that in that moment. What's been massage? One good, yeah, what What's been one good know, thing? I mean, a, a massage would definitely be one of those. But I'm kind of I'm kind of funny. One of them. I ain't gonna lie to you. I don't like a lot of people touching me. I understand. <laughs> I'm that way too. Marvin Brown is here. But, but, I, but I'm getting better. But I'm getting better with with the massages. And they're a little overpriced, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> well, you could get a subscription and, at Massage Envy, and that. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and you can go to the Tweena places. Like, there's a Tweena place right off of 28th Street and Park. Look for the Tweena places, and down in like Chinatown, Little Italy, the Tweena places. You can get good massages. They'll walk on your back. And, um, oh, you know, for like really? $50 for an hour, something like that, $50, $60 okay. an hour, something like that. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely doing more self-care things in that sense. Walk us through, um, you've gotten Emmys and all kinds of awards for your heroism. You know, again, just a, a woman that gets up every day and lives. You're living your life. Um, Marvin Brown, well, looking back on your journey, what is one positive thing that has come out of this diagnosis? Me, my outlook on life, my my self-love, my self-care, my self-worth. I mean, I I get people every day like you're 37 single with no kids. What's wrong with you? And they would think it would be because I'm HIV positive. I don't live by what society standards say of me. Because society didn't care about me. Society stigmatized and discriminated against me for so long that I had to become my own person and create my own world that suited me. And with that, can't nobody stand me. (laughs) (laughs) Look, look, we in the same boat. Um, 866-801-8255. What is it that you wanna do like, you know, you know, tomorrow's not promised any of us. We were just oh, talking about Megan Charles and, and Eric Bollard, who uh, was riding his bike today and lost his life. You know, like, you don't know. You don't know, right? So you get up oh. every day. What, no. what What is it that you want to do with the time that you have on this earth, Marvin? You know, right now, I just want to be happy. I've done so much um I've 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 traveled <laughs> every single bucket list item I had maybe I need to go create another one you know I, I being a mother was something that I always wanted to be but I understand that we can't plan that either um you know you can have goals with that situation but if that is not for you that's not for you um I I've, I've definitely have tried in the past and I have experienced several miscarriages so when I say that that's what I mean by that you can try to plan that you can put that on the vision board but in reality that kind of shouldn't be there because it's out of your control but things that are in my control like continually traveling I visit 47 states I need to hit 50 I've been to 54 countries maybe I need to go to like 90 or something like those anything to make me happy that's 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 what it is for me my overall mental health, because if I'm good there, I'm good everywhere. Is there, um, 
kind of like for for women who are in relationship with men and and that's mostly the the tra- which is why black black women were the highest group at one point in new infections because it's a lot easier to contract HIV from a man uh right. than it is for a woman to give it to a man um are there were there signs looking back with this no. guy none no. as that he was positive yeah no, it was it wasn't signs that anyone I knew was positive. <laughs> it just wasn't our world. Like even in um, you know, my education in junior high, high school, you look back on the textbooks that was around in these days, it was a helpless kid in Africa that was looked malnourished. You didn't see a young, black, vibrant, thi- thriving girl, woman. You know, you hardly see these things now. You know, it's all what the media had out there. And the media had me believing this was a gay man's disease or some kid in Africa. I didn't even think a daughter in Africa had it the way they painted the kids. And look at you. So it, I, I didn't, HIV wasn't a thought of mine until I was told I was HIV positive. What should people know about the disease, the virus? It's a virus. So you're not, you don't have AIDS. HIV is the virus that leads to AIDS, right? Yes, yes, yes. It can or cannot, depending on treatment and different things like that. You can kind of say HIV would be the first stage and then AIDS may or may not come. AIDS is more so a clinical diagnosis uh, when a person's T cells drop below 200. Have you been there? No, I've been close, but I ain't been there. And how? Because and once besides, you have a diagnosis, you'll never go back. Okay, you so have that diagnosis. What things do you do to keep yourself healthy? I know you take I your medicine. To, that's the biggest one, okay? Because it doesn't matter. My medication has to be taken right now at 10 p.m. every night. When time moves back, my medication moves back. Time moves up, my medication moves up. If I'm in the uh, uh, on an airplane or I'm in the middle of the club, I have to take my medication. You know, it's 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 just not that easy. <laughs> like people just like take your medication. After 19 years, I'm over it. I've taken over a million pills, and that's just my HIV medication. Don't get no headache. And you got to take some for that. Don't don't get no infection. And now you got to take some medication for that. You know, I'm taking 15, 20 pills a day. So what, when you had the COVID and the HIV, how do they monitor those medicines together? There, I, there, there wasn't any, uh, med- luckily I wasn't on any medication due to COVID at all. Um, you know, uh, Prescribed by the doctor. I was on the Vicks Vapor Rub of, uh, I can't even remember if I was doing NyQuil and I was doing that. I was doing everything because that was so early on. You when they told me I had COVID, I had like flashbacks again because I'm like, I'm gonna die tomorrow. <laughs> like it was. But you here? No, it was at a time in New York City where like a thousand people were dying a day, and I knew I was high risk. Um, uh, in that moment. So when the doctor told me, she was like, no, it's okay. You have mild symptoms because the only thing I had was I had lost my sense of smell. And she said, we've, we've seen good resource of people. And I'm like, they be telling you anything. <laughs> but you got through. Are you still, are, do you still wear a mask? I'm just curious. Cause I've, you know, I want, I would like to travel. Uh, I don't know how Tanya does it. 
<laughs> it depends on where, when, and how. Um, I definitely wear a mask when it's mandatory, like on trains and planes and things like that. But it just kind of depends on where I'm going because we travel now. Most places you go, you have to be vaccinated. And you have to take a COVID test within 24, 48 hours of travel, depending on what country you're going to. So I actually feel more safe on traveling than I would. Just regular moving around that crowded yeah. city that you're in. But I mean, I got out of it. Unless you've been in the countries. I, I got, to I got, they, they I got four. I got, um, I went on and did the booster to the booster. Uh, so you're not uh, playing. Uh, no, Do I'm we, not playing. I mean, I'm not saying that because I mean, I I could honestly Mar- be Marvel. We we got a heartbreak. Can you stick around? Because we got some callers yeah. too. Marvelyn Brown has stuck around. She's the author of The Naked Truth: Young, Beautiful, and HIV Positive. Tanya Pinkins is here as well, and I wanted her to stick around because we got a caller or two. I want you to talk talk with because uh, I think they want to share. And thank you, uh, Marvelyn, for um, you know, just just being you. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Uh, Denise in Atlanta, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm Hi, Tanya. Well, quite a topic. Um, and I can fall into this topic so well. I've been HIV positive for 27 years. And there's still a stigma about it. And the way I avoided the stigma is just not to tell so many people. I only told people who are very, very close to me and that on a need-to-know basis also. I contracted it from my husband um, who passed in 2002, but we found out in 93 for him. Um, And because of the stigma that had been going around, and and my husband had... uh, been a former user and um, because of that what I knew and was reading about it I did get tested like every six months and I had had a test like two months before and I was not positive and then he got sick and yes he had full-blown AIDS down to 43 T-cells and um that's when my positive test came. But I wasn't sick. I didn't get any of the symptoms, not until 1995 when my um, T cells started to drop. And when they started to drop, the doctor's like, okay, you need to go on medication, which was the hardest thing in the world for me to do. And, um, but I believe in God. And it's the strangest thing. Um, when I had to take the medication, I went to counseling with my pastor, and he was on the phone with me when I took my first pill, and that was a Wednesday. And that Sunday when I went to church, and I know you've seen it. Everybody has seen it. You know, I'm in a non-denominational church, but more like Baptist. And, you know, the people who fall out and shout and whatever you get your regulars and I just always been like "Mm." but I went up for prayer and my pastor you know he still had been counseling me but he prayed with me that day and slapped me on my head and I fell on the floor I was able to see but I wasn't able to move 
and I believed at that moment that God had healed me. And I've been, uh, I tested undetectable a month after I started taking that pill in 1995. And I'm still undetectable to this day, have been undetectable every time I, I, I'm tested. I'm tested every four months. Are you still taking your medicine, Denise? Yes. Take well, medicine that... every day. One one pill. One pill a day. One pill. That's so. incredible. Um, thank you for calling and sharing, and thank you for being a part of this family. You know, everybody's journey is different, you know, and I feel like, um, you know, we, we should be mindful that everybody's journey is different. And you know, I think a lot of times, especially black folk, we rely on God and we should. Uh, faith is important, I think. Um, but faith without deeds, I said this yesterday, is foolish. And, and a lot of times we just do that and don't take into account all the other things. And also everybody, body is different, Marvelyn, correct? Absolutely. So when you, you know, everyone's virus is different as well. Just like COVID, for some people, sense of taste and smell, for some people, vascular, for some people, uh, you know, you, you get blood clots, lung issues. Some people have long COVID. Some people have no symptoms at all because right. it's a virus, right? That absolutely interacts with you. Um, are you hopeful that the med- medical field is going to come up with some sort of cure for this or vaccine for this or some shot for this? the way they moved on COVID and tried to prevent people from catching it. Marvelous. You talking me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you. I just don't check it. Um, repeat real quick. Sorry. Are you, are, are you optimistic that they're going to find a cure or some sort of vi- vaccine or something for, for HIV, the way they've moved very swiftly to try to find a, you know, solution to COVID. Yeah, I definitely think a vaccine before a cure only because they have not cured a common cold. It's been very hard for them to cure any um, virus, but I'm hopeful for it all. Um, I know some new studies and things are in place and I'm very hopeful. Well, a little bit, because if they really do, I'm going to have to find a new job. But other than that, (laughs) (laughs) they can go for it. It's, you, it's, it's looking promising, though. In addition to the pills that you have to take at 10 p.m. Uh, every night, daylight savings or not, um, what other things do you do? You, I was joking with you about your lemon water. Are you? Do you work out? Like, are there things that are helpful? Uh, do you not drink and smoke? Do you not? Are there things that you're very mindful of that you might do if you didn't have this uh, this diagnosis? Being HIV positive, you have to be mindful of everything literally everything um i don't work out but i do the workout classes that just fits me (laughs) i love them i I, did other stuff is not really my thing i did in my whole childhood um i don't lift weights i don't want to be a bodybuilder or anything like that but i definitely do the workout classes um i watch what i eat um a lot, you know, I really like red meat and pork as I was raised in the South and, you know, it was just always there, but I've definitely had to change that. Um, 
I don't eat as much red meat and I hardly eat pork at all. You know, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's just so much, so many different things, but well, um, you're mindful of everything. Everything changes. And, and your job, your job is activism. Your job is providing a source of, of comfort and information. If people who are listening, who have, you know, who are HIV positive, never talked about it and they want to reach out to you, where, where do they go to connect with Marvelyn Brown? Um, you can go to MarvelinBrown.com. I think that's just the easiest right off the bat. I am uh, available on Facebook as well at Marvelin Brown. My Instagram is more personal. Um, it's really nothing about HIV on there because that's not all of who I am. So Instagram is more of just like traveling, family, and things like that. But Facebook is more directed towards um, HIV and being HIV positive. And I'm going to direct everyone to get the book, which we've tweeted out. Uh, the Naked Truth is what it's called. Young, Beautiful, and HIV Positive. And that well, HIV is in parentheses. In parentheses. It's yeah. in parentheses. Because it's can... not who you are. It's it's something that you, you have. You can but it ain't that you. in there or you can take it out. I'm positive either way. That's right. You better say that. I'm going to read it differently. I'm sorry. The Naked Truth. Young, <laughs> beautiful, and positive. Marvelyn Brown, you are all of the things. And thank you for being here today. I appreciate you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you all for having me. Oh, inspiration.